Hello and welcome to another episode of Digital Economy 101 podcast, in which we cover various topics from the world of digital economy. I'm your host, Dino Oreshki, and together with my guests, I provide an insight into economic activities based on digital technologies, which are crucial in every industry and indispensable in every business venture. Today's episode is titled ESG in Real Estate, and my guest is Fanos Hajikiriaku, co-founder and CEO at 2050materials.com, a digital information and research platform for the AEC industry in mission to explore, compare and source beautiful and sustainable building materials. ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. Today, investors are increasingly applying these non-financial factors as part of their analysis process to identify material risks and growth opportunities, especially in real estate. FANOS, on the other hand, specializes in LCA, ESG, sustainability ratings, climate change risks and SaaS startup. If your company is heading towards ESG, look no further, as FANOS is the right man for the job. Hey, Fanos, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, website 2050materials.com says the easiest way to find and compare a building materials. 2050 Materials centralizes all sustainability data into a single platform, enabling designers to save time and money at any project stage. Sounds like a cool project to sum it all up in one place. Um, it also says that uh, you guys all are building uh, tools to help architects and uh, construction companies to build the green buildings of tomorrow. How did you come up with, with the idea and uh, how is the world responding to it? Uh, yeah, so maybe a little bit of background would shine some light on why we started working on this. So I'm an engineer by background, so very much, a, let's say, a data-heavy brain um, but I spent some time working in the ESG sector so kind of working alongside investors who had specific climate targets and climate strategies and my job was essentially to sit down with them and read these strategies that they have and translate them into a model which we could create in order to have a data-driven approach to actually achieve those targets so more practically speaking if you are a real estate investor I would sit down with a large real estate investor and I would say, in order to achieve, for example, a net zero um, portfolio by 2050, these are the steps you need to take. And this is the way that we can assess your portfolio in order to know, you know which entities should we divest from and which one should we invest into. So my background comes from working on this kind of, I, I like to call it like top-down approach where you know, you you start with the investors, which obviously provide the money uh, for buildings. But the interest in this specific material space started when some of the investors I was working with, they started talking about scope three emissions. So scope three emissions is anything within the building that relates not to the energy, for example, of the building that's being used, but more to the supply chain. So the biggest chunk of that supply chain is the materials that go into the building. So the doors, the windows, the concrete, the bricks, whatever you see around you, usually when you sit in a building. Um, now, the, the interesting thing about this space is that 
from an emissions and from a climate perspective is absolutely massive. The impact of materials in in on the world and on climate change is enormous. However, the very big problem is that we don't have enough data and simplified enough data for all of the people involved in construction to really be able to kind of, you know, start making these considerations, to be able to choose something that's better than something else. So this very big gap is exactly what we're focusing on build on kind of solving essentially at 2050. Okay, cool. And um, coming to the real estate part, uh, when we discussed ESG as per your background in, in real estate, um, can you please explain a bit more what is ESG, environmental, social governance, and and uh, how are you guys contributing to ESG in, in real estate? Well, ESG is one of those terms that um, <laughs> <laughs> I really would hate to be some yet another person that defines it in probably a wrong way i can give you my interpretation of what or let me say i can give you the interpretation of what esg i think was meant to do and what esg really stands for today in my opinion so esg was essentially a way to bundle activities that relate to business that don't have a direct connection to what businesses generally look at, which is generating profit. So anything that doesn't really relate to profit and has to do with other external benefits or uh, issues that are being created due to that business generally fall under ESG. Um, there's three aspects to it. The E stands for environmental. Environmental might mean if I am... Um, uh, chemical company, for example, and I'm disposing my waste from my production into a river that obviously affects the environmental aspect of my ESG um, component as a company. Uh, if I'm a real estate investor, for example, and I own a portfolio of buildings, the environmental side of things is, you know, how much energy are my buildings consuming on a day-to-day -day basis? Or it might also be, how am I actually building those buildings? Like, am I Am I treating, am I disposing of a lot of waste? Am I choosing the right location to build? So anything that relates to, to environmental issues. Then the S in the ESG stands for social. So social is a super wide term. It covers anything like how you treat your workers and how many, uh, how much diversity you have within your company, or uh, if you've, declared as a company that you have you have an anti-slavery policy so it can cover all kinds of things but generally things that have to do with people and then finally the g part is governance so this is a lot about you know the decisions that you make as a company and sort of how you're running the business um, you can have a business that's super profitable but is running the business with let's say not the most ethical ways according to the definitions of people and that would kind of score badly on the g side um, one thing that's worth mentioning is ESG as a general term is being used a lot nowadays for, in order to mean the environmental side of things, really, and that there's a very good reason for that, which is climate change is a real actual threat. It's a threat to humanity, obviously, and it's also a threat to business. So generally speaking, the social and the governance part is not that it's not important, but it's just 
in my opinion, less urgent uh, to, to prioritize at this point. So ESG today has primarily has the connotation that we're talking about the environmental side of things. And I would even say in the majority of the cases, it's even more specific. It's really about talking about carbon emissions. So it's really kind of contribution or, uh, or contribution to climate change or reduction of impact on climate change. Mm -hmm. And cool. And how does uh, 2050 materials then fit in? So 2050 materials very much looks at, um, let's say, environmental metrics related to the materials of buildings, which might either contribute to a positive ESG score as, a, as an investor or to a negative one. So the most basic example is if you're using materials in buildings that have a very high uh, what's called embodied carbon so essentially when they're manufactured they require a lot of co2 or a lot of carbon dioxide to be emitted in the atmosphere then that generally means you have higher environmental impact in your buildings however so this is kind of our core focus as well so we look at the metrics that relate to those materials carbon is a core focus but we also look at circularity metrics whether you can you know, put the building apart and build a new one, whether you can reuse certain components of a building. So all of these things are very much on the climate and environmental side of things. We also um, have started including a bit more information about more holistic aspects of, of ESG. So sort of uh, social and governance aspects, focusing on the manufacturing companies that do these uh, materials. And that's kind of like our addition to the rest of the ESG space. On a high level, I would say, just because I'm talking a little bit maybe too specific for the, for the average listener, if I'm an investor and I have, let's say, 500 buildings in my portfolio, and I want to ensure that I am starting to consider the impacts of my portfolio on the climate, for example, what that means as an investor is that I need to assign the responsibility to someone to calculate and account for these kind of impacts. That someone, when they go into the exercise of starting to see how they would calculate these things, they have two choices, I would say roughly. One is go do the research and find all of the data yourself and calculate the stuff. And that can take months and on a single building, let alone a portfolio of buildings, or you can go to a solution like the one we've built where all of the data is centralized, it's structured, and there's tools to allow you to do this kind of counting. Mm -hmm. Cool. Th th thanks for clearing it up finally to me, to, to for, for my and for the audience's benefit. Now, uh, you're mentioning investors. When it comes to investing, um, Forbes de defines ESG investing as uh, when you choose ESG investing, uh, you're putting your money to work in companies that strive to make uh, the world a better place. This type of ethical investing strategy helps people align their investment choices with their personal values. So uh, their money is in ESG and apparently the market is relatively new, however, a relatively big one. Um is there, is there money here and uh, how can companies in, invest, uh, for example, in, in your project or similar projects? So the question of if, if there is money in ESG, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the interesting thing about 
climate change is that exactly because it's an existential threat both to the economy and to humans it's it's the ability to solve climate change issues translates to also economic growth it translates to profits that can be made so definitely that's why also if we step one one step aside to esg what's called climate investing or impact investing is is very much exploding right now um how can people invest in in ESG or or kind of like maximize or let's say tag along on the returns? Obviously, anything that is contributing to a more sustainable world, I think, generally has um, good statistics or or has let's say uh, good chances of growing in the next few years. Just because we need any solution we can get, um, obviously, not all projects will will succeed. With regards to 2050 materials and investing we are we're not currently taking an investment you know if someone is interested to to join the journey that that we're on we're more than happy to speak to them so feel free to kind of reach out through the website i think what's most important for us is the best way to to invest and to contribute towards the development of a more climate neutral world is use these solutions use 2050 materials go on the platform if you're uh, working in real estate or if you're working in construction or architecture, really, you know, utilize the work that we've done there and, and pay the subscription of what we have because it's really worth it and it can really change the the, the way you do work. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So architects are also involved here as, for example, your, your customers? Yeah, architects are our primary user actually on our platform. I should have maybe specified that, that a little bit more. So architects within the built environment sit in a very unique position because they are making the very first decisions. So they're making the design of the building and they are the ones that make the very first decisions on what is the shape of the building, but also what is the core materials of the building. So the decision of, is it gonna be a timber building or a concrete building is usually something that happens in the process of design where, where, where it's where architects are actually involved. So we very much focus on architects to help them find alternative materials and more sustainable solutions. Uh, although we work, you know, across the value chain, that's just the starting point. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. You know, it's good to have everything, uh, as you have mentioned, listed and pointed out at, at one place. And uh, talking about you, um, so your LCA ESG sustainability ratings, climate change risk. Uh, SaaS startup guy, uh, your background is uh, engineering, you're also uh, an MBA graduate, uh, in love with sea, movement, cooking, originally from Cyprus, uh, living in UK and, and in Athens. Uh, I mean, I got tired just uh, reading all these uh, things up. Uh, how, how can you manage uh, all of these things? Uh, how, how can you juggle with all these things? And uh, how did you end up in, in ESG and therefore in 2050 materials? How, how did your journey go? <laughs> yeah, that's a, an interesting combination of things. I should probably update my my social media pro profiles to only show a limited uh, view. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess the story is, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Cyprus, which is a small island uh, below Turkey next to next to Lebanon. I've always been kind of um, 
as I said earlier, like kind of like a mathematical person. So I think a lot of numbers, although I've, I in, initially in my life, I wasn't a very, let's say, commercially driven uh, person. So what I really cared about is creating something that really has value. And I've always had a very kind of strong connection to to nature and, and also, you know, the interaction with nature. So I, I, I guess, I guess when I was a teenager, if you had met me, you have, would have met a bit of a hippie. Um, what I kind of grew into as I was going, you know, to university and, and as I started realizing a little bit better how the world works is if you, in, this is my opinion, obviously it's not a fact, but in my opinion, if you want to have maximum impact on the world, you really need to do it kind of systemically. So you need to find, you know, the biggest leverage point where you could contribute value to, and you need to make sure that that value is not just uh, growing economic value, but also adding, you know, some contribution to the world that helps humanity in, in one way or another. My, let's say, choice of of contribution is, is really in this climate space, because I really think it's a, uh, super important um, topic. I think we should all be spending more of our efforts, you know, trying to trying to provide solutions in that space. Um, yeah, the way I ended up towards, you know, ESG and, and, and kind of this climate space is I, I went to study engineering in Switzerland after uh, leaving Cyprus. And that was a partially a decision to just be close to the mountains, but it turned out that the universities there are really good. So it was um, by chance a very good decision on my part. I finished my studies in Zurich and then as most graduates, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I found a little startup that was working on something I didn't fully understand at the time. It was building climate change risk models uh, in Zurich for the financial sector. So very much this ESG space, but with a strong focus on climate. So I sort of jumped on board. I found the people who were building this company quite quite cool and quite motivating to me. So I jumped on board just to have a salary and to be able to pay my rent. And I quickly kind of, you know, realized that within this concept that I mentioned, that you have to um, find systemic approaches to have impact. I think following the money and going towards the investors is a good first start. So I was quite interested to work in the financial sector, providing climate solutions. And then I guess after a few years of doing that, I also felt like it's interesting to work with investors because the leverage is very big, but sometimes the financial sector is a little bit out of touch with the actual world. So sometimes investors, for example, they want to invest in technologies that will lead to a better climate or to a more carbon neutral climate. And sometimes those technologies just don't exist yet, or they need to scale massively before they can really um, impact change. So as I've done with other parts of my life, I just decided to kind of switch from probably the most intellectual sector, which is finance to maybe the least, which is construction. So the most kind of informal sector and hopefully try to bring some of the experience that I had from this other sector where they use data to inform decisions into a sector that's really not doing that now, but would really benefit from doing it. Okay, excellent. Uh, I, I do have two bonus questions uh, uh, in regard yeah, to my previous question. <laughs> um, first one is, uh, do you play chess? And the second one is when it comes to investors, are there 
more equity funds or or VCs? I mean, who who invest in in startups or any kind of companies dealing in ESG? Uh, so I'll answer your first question uh, first. So I I used to play chess, not very much, a little bit, uh, but I I would definitely not call myself a very good chess player. Um, okay. But you always start with e4. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of investing, I mean, when we talk, when I talk about investors that we work with, traditionally, I am referring to real estate investors. So institutional investors that own a bunch of buildings. However, in terms of like, you know, the startups and the young companies like ourselves that are seeking investment, yeah, I would say I would say the, the most obvious route is venture capital uh, funding. So there's quite a few VCs out there that invest in both in the built environment, but also into climate solutions within that space. So that's definitely somewhere where you know, if someone is building a company, I think it's worth uh, it's worth looking for capital. But at the same time, exactly because of what you mentioned earlier, that there is a big opportunity within. ESG and within, you know, impact uh, solutions, you now find capital also uh, outside of institutional investors. So that might be family offices, it might be angel investors, it might just be people who have, you know, some savings they want to put into different places. So I've heard all kinds of stories. I think uh, people more and more have a willingness and and then kind of they want to put their money into solutions that contribute to a better world. So I think capital is definitely not the bottleneck yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So there, there, there is a, let's say, uh, people that are doing something in, in goodwill, not just uh, per pure capital and uh, not just looking at the Excel spreadsheet numbers. So, I guess coming, so yeah. <laughs> coming back to uh, 2050 materials, um, on the website itself, there is a clear distinction between uh, manufacturers and suppliers. We have already mentioned uh, architects, for example. Um, so, as it seems, uh, you guys have both angles covered. Can 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 we call you like uh, you know a a matching or a dating platform <laughs> for 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 both sides? Yeah, I think a dating would be a dating platform for the specification industry would be pushing it a little bit but um, but you never know but yeah i mean it is what we're trying to build is essentially an engine that creates data i think the one thing that is worth clarifying is the data that we provide to the industry which is structured and usable does not come directly just from us we don't take every single brick and we assess its performance the way we do it is we find documentation that is created by the manufacturer, and then we run algorithms to digitize that information and to structure it in a format that is always you know, standardized. Now, if you want to do that on five products or on 500 products, you can do it yourself. It's quite easy. But if you want to create a solution that the whole industry is looking at to retrieve data, you need a bit of collaboration. So you need manufacturers to come also and willingly kind of give you their data and digitize it with you and help you structure a standardized format. So we initially started by just onboarding a lot of information on building products. But the interesting thing is that we are realizing that we're able to help manufacturers, you know, 
publish that data in a way that helps them commercially. So it helps them generate more, more leads. It helps them close more projects, sell more products essentially. So we do cover both sides. Our core focus is really to kind of push that data into the industry. And as a side benefit, if you like, we are able to help manufacturers harmonize all of that information they have. Mm -hmm. Great, great stuff. So it, essentially you are using metadata from all various sources in one place and then matching it all up to a specific need to the, for the end customer. Awesome. Correct. Yeah. Great. Um, well, Fanos, uh, it was an excellent chat. Thanks again for your time. When can, where can people go to find out more about uh, your work and where, where can people contact you? Great. So 2050 materials, you can Google it or you can type 2050-materials.com. You'll find both our website and the platform. The platform is uh, you can create a free account and you can use, I would say, about 80% of the functionality completely for free, no matter who you are. So I guess the best way for people to see what we have and to start getting accustomed with this kind of uh, data is to, to go on our website and register. Uh, if someone wants to contact us they can do that through a bunch of ways on our on our website they can also send me an email directly fanos at 2050-materials.com um yeah and i guess the, the best way to keep up to date with all of the development that's happening on our side both in terms of features but also you know the direction that we're heading as a company is to follow our linkedin page or any of our other social media pages uh, where we post quite a bit of our journey Okay, excellent. All of those will be listed as uh, a uh, episode notes uh, on on Acast. Uh, great, great, great chat, and uh, thanks again, Fanos. Have a have a great day, and uh, we will be in touch hopefully soon in another episode in another cool topic. Have fun. Sounds good, Dino. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye. And many thanks to all of you listening to this episode. I hope you find it useful. Keep following the ACAS channel Digital Economy 101 because we have a new episode coming soon.